720 WGN. It's Andrea Darlis. I'm with you until 10 o'clock, and then Patty Vasquez will take over the reins here at 10 o'clock as well. Huge thanks to John Hanson, Jeremy Gorner, and Maze Jackson for being on our reporter panel tonight. Uh, we had a great time with them. We switch now to uh, the other side of the bar, if you will. I was calling this the trial of the century only because I think it is. It's the trial of Hippocrates, a mock trial sponsored by the National Hellenic Museum. It's the sixth time we've done this, and I can say we because I've moderated this event for several years. I was I was a juror, but I graduated to moderator, thanks to Helene. Uh, but I want to introduce you to everybody involved with the National Hellenic Museum's sixth annual trial series event. This is the Trial of Hippocrates. So we got a big room full of people here. You're about to hear some of the biggest names in Chicago in law and with regard to the Hellenic Museum as well. Uh, so, Dr. Laura, why don't we start with you, and then we'll go around, and everybody will introduce themselves, and then we'll talk about your roles in this trial, which is not to be missed. It's open to the public. Tickets are on sale. If you want to see a really cool, fun event, I promise you this will not disappoint. So let's go ahead and begin. Well, I'm Dr. Laura Calamos. I'm the president at the National Hellenic Museum. It, this is by far my favorite thing to do uh, throughout the year. You know, part of what we do as a museum is educate people, but to take history and add a little bit of legal debate and put it on stage, we don't know what's going to happen, but you're going to come out feeling smarter and understanding a little bit about Greek history and a lot about debate. It combines a little bit of everything, Greek mythology, mm-hmm. Greek history in general, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the law Yeah, yeah. with some of the top names in Chicago. Well, and so much of American jurisprudence comes to us from ancient Greece. So some part of that is learning about jury trials and understanding how, how legal and adversarial debate happens. Um, and the audience gets to vote. So you're not just watching this trial on stage. At some point, you have to make up your own mind. So how good are the arguments? Because you will be voting like you might have as a citizen you in Athens. You get to participate. That's my favorite part. And we all know the Greeks invented democracy. So we can safely say that. Uh, Christina, let's move on to you. Hi, I'm Christina Fakeless-Adair. I will be examining Dr. Peter Angelos. Um, I'm a neutral party, so what I do is help get as many facts as I can out of the expert witness. Um, So each side can then use those facts um, for their presentations and their arguments. Um, This is my, I think my sixth year as well. Dr. Er, Judge Kokoris is the person that helped me get involved with this. Um, I'm I'm definitely the youngest member, but um, I'm honored to be always part of the trial series. You had worked with Judge Kokoris, correct? I had. So has has Tinos. I think we both say that he's the best boss in the entire world. Oh, absolutely. And the sweetest, too. I'm sure others on the other side of the bar might not completely see that, but what a fair and wonderful man. I'm glad he's back as well. Okay, the Tinos that you referenced is Tinos Diamantados, who's sitting to your your right, my left. Tinos, good evening. tell everybody who you are and who you are representing this year. Good evening. Good evening, Andrea. Thanks for having us. My name is Tinos Diamantados. Um, so I have the privilege of representing the good people of Athens, and we have brought... Uh, Dr. Hippocrates to trial this year, and we, along with my trial partner, Patrick Collins, are going to be uh, bringing Mr. Hippocrates to trial uh, in light of certain decisions that he made uh, with regard to the King of Thebes in the final few days of the King of Thebes' life and and some decisions that we feel uh, were improper, and we're going to let the jury decide whether or not they agree with us. And sitting at the uh, the other table across from you is no stranger to Chicago media and the law in Chicago, Mr. Bob Clifford. Good evening. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. You know, it's exciting to participate in these trials. This is uh, my sixth, and uh, once again, I'm representing the innocent injured physician uh, who's being wrongfully accused of uh, causing the death of the king you know it's a sad event of course when the world loses a king but uh, that occurred through no fault of uh, dr hippocrates as a matter of fact uh, what the good doctor did was try to accommodate the king's wishes to be healed. Uh, he promised the king that he would give his best efforts, which he did. Uh, but the, but he warned him that you you know, king, uh, this may not work. And and now what happened is the king, being as grateful as he was, gave Doctor 
properties, a, a much-deserved reward for his good efforts, and the king's son has come along, and he wants that treasure trove back, and that's what this is all about. It's the greed of a young fellow who was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, sitting uh, on the bench this year again is Judge Anna Demacopoulos. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Andrea. And here we go, Bob Clifford trying to taint that jury pool once uh, again. I was just going to say, now you are going to be one of the judges, you and Judge Kokoris, and we have some other very esteemed judges yes, so, on our uh, panel this year. So joining uh, Judge Kokoris and myself will be um, Judge uh, Sharon Johnson Coleman, also from the Federal District Court here in Chicago, and Justice Bauer from the Seventh Circuit a court of appeals here in Chicago and I think that one of the things that we all enjoy from the bench of course we see some of the lawyers every day but we get to also observe how the reaction from the audience and we get to appreciate and the audience gets to appreciate the great lawyering uh, skills that we see every day these trials are quite unique because what we see is the interaction between humanity uh, ethical uh, dilemmas that we have, and it doesn't change. It didn't change from ancient Greece until today. Doctors are still having these ethical dilemmas, and I think the facts in this particular case are going to bear out that the Hippocratic Oath is what Dr. Uh, Hippocrates is going to be charged with violating. And so I think the facts that Christina may be bringing out from the doctor um, that's going to be our expert uh, in this case, is going to raise some factual dis- uh, distinctions and some ethical distinctions that the audience is really going to have to um, evaluate for themselves. I would highly encourage everybody listening, or if you, if you have not been, to absolutely go. You bring up a very good point, Judge. You get to see you in action, a, a judge and famous attorneys that we, we talk about in the news and different cases that you cover. We get to see you in action. And it's very rare that anybody will maybe see the inside of a courtroom except for what you see on television. So it's very neat to see all of you in action. Do you have a little bit of fun because you do sometimes either oppose each other or you'll have judgments that you'll have to render against the attorneys? Is it is it kind of fun to be in a setting where it is a little bit lighthearted? It's a lot of fun. No question about it. And one of the real uh, rewarding experiences of this is, you know, our community is blessed with a rich heritage and uh, uh, with the uh, Greek community that we have. It's uh, the museum is just a a, a place of wonder to see. And uh, this event benefits the uh, museum in in ways that makes it available to people in the community to come and study uh, the heritage that has grown up uh, around them and that has been the anchor of uh, our democracy in America. It's quite an undertaking, it is, Laura. This is the sixth annual that we've had. Um, I've, I've so enjoyed being a, a juror at first and then moderating it and kind of stepping back and watching everybody uh, talk about take part in this. But the undertaking is massive, is it not? Well, absolutely. Uh, herding this many attorneys on stage is one part of it. But uh, we spend all year looking at the history, finding a case that's interesting. This is unscripted. So we don't have all of this written. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to argue the case. Our, our resident historian, Dr. Katie Kalaitis, researched something that we thought could could really add some rich history. It's been hotly debated for thousands of years, mm-hmm. and now here again, we're going to bring to light a case that could go any way. Now, Tinos and Bob, you uh, were on the same on the same side last year. It was the trial of the Parthenon marbles, which was extremely interesting. I didn't even, I mean, being Greek, I didn't even know the whole story about the Parthenon marbles. You were on the opposite. You were on the same side, and this year, you're opposite. Uh, Tinos is prosecuting. I'm defending. Yes. And. You know, that's one of the fun things and the fortunate things about being a trial lawyer is that uh, your good trial lawyers are anchored in the idea that what they're doing is not about them. It's about the people they represent. And, and if if, uh, if Tino's had to prosecute a case, he can do it. If he had to defend a case, he could do it uh, because he's devoted to the client and what he's doing is on behalf of that client. And it's almost like you separate yourself from what you have to do in order to either defend, in my case, the, the doctor, or in his case, the state, to, to prosecute the will of the state. Uh, and 
that's you know that's one of the valuable th- parts of what we're doing uh, by displaying the uh, advocacy skills of, of all these uh, lawyers. Take a Pat Fitzgerald, Patrick Collins. These are you know tr- uh, trial lawyers extraordinaire uh, who ran the U.S. Attorney's Office here in Chicago, which is one of the nation's finest. Uh, they're seeing some of the best lawyers at doing their good work. Right, and we wanted to say Patrick Collins was supposed to be here tonight as well. He had a flight delay. He is uh, not going to be with Actually, us tonight. Actually, we gave him the wrong time. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I already had a flight delay. All right, here we go. Judge? <laughs> I'm not going to comment. She's not going to comment on there. We're talking to all the participants of the trial of Hippocrates. It's all brought to you by the National Hellenic Museum. It's next Wednesday, February 20th from 6.30 until 9 p.m. at the Harris Theater for Music and Dance, 205 East Randolph Drive. We'll continue with our panel here and maybe uh, find out a little bit about what Bob and Tino's have in their arsenal or what we have planned and maybe if the judge is going to give any sort of an idea on how she'll rule. It's all coming up next on 720 WGN. If you're looking for something to do next Wednesday, February 20th, you do not want to miss the 6th Annual National Hellenic Museum's Trial Series event. It's the Trial of Hippocrates. It's a mock trial. It is so much fun to see how to see all of these these lawyers and the judges in action. If you've never seen anything, you, you've never seen anything like it. So I highly encourage everybody to go, and we're very fortunate to have in our studio some of the biggest names in law in Chicago. Bob Clifford, Judge Anna Demacopoulos, Christina Fakeless, Tinos Diamantato, and Dr. Laura Calamus from the Hellenic Museum. Uh, what a wonderful undertaking, as we were saying, Dr. Laura. And this year, uh, Christina was telling me a little bit, the topic is different every year. This one obviously centers around Hippocrates, because Dr. That's not a, what is his name, Dr.? What is, Hippocrates. It's just Hippocrates? father of That's it. Just his, he doesn't have a, like, it's not Bob Hippocrates. No, or, he's just one of those Demetrius. one, one okay. wonders, right? Okay. He's the, like Oprah, he, exactly. Hippocrates, yeah. Socrates. He historically is associated with some of the, the most important texts in medicine that have helped us to understand scientific inquiry and, and how diagnosis and prognosis um, informed medical practice and going all the way back to ancient Greece. And this one, and every year it's a different, it's a different um, defendant. It's a different theme. And Christina, you were saying a little bit. This is a very. This is a very relatable topic, especially in this day and age. Right. What I think is interesting and applicable to everyone is that we all may have, unfortunately, end of life type decisions to make, whether for ourselves or for our family. And this, uh, the attorneys will definitely touch on that during their arguments, and Dr. Angelos as well, in terms of how the Hippocratic Oath affects those end-of-life decisions. And during the trial, what's going to happen is the lawyers, and we're going to get into it a little bit too, um, after the news, with Tinos and Bob about um, not giving away all their all their secrets and, and all what they have in their arsenal, but a little bit about what their strategy might be as they uh, proceed with the trial of Hippocrates. Um, but again, the undertaking is just massive. Getting everybody in the room. How do you how do you come up with the topics? Do you well, have a, a group? We spend no. There's just a, a few of us every year who who spend the summer looking at at old texts and historical um, parables to see what we might be able to turn into a trial. Uh, our hope this year was to find something medical as well as legal um, because that's uh, of of interest. I'm actually a practicing nurse myself, and this year we will have. Um, continuing legal education available for, for lawyers and continuing nursing education available for nurses. So it's a great opportunity to learn about your practice, learn about ethics and how it applies, not just in, in the ancient world, but in modern life, how how decision-making is impacted by, by um, real-life experiences. So here is a king on his deathbed begging for care and a doctor trying to decide how much do I need to treat this person? Is it over-treatment? I don't know. The, 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 the attorneys will have to argue that case. And that's what, what we're going to find out as well. More after this on 720 WGN.
We are talking with the participants of the National Hellenic Museum's Trial of the Century. I'm calling it the trial. Well, I'm calling it the trial of the century. It's the trial of Hippocrates, the sixth annual of this wonderful series, a mock trial. We want to give you a little bit of background about if you attend, which you should attend. We'll tell you how to get tickets as well. Uh, what you're going to be hearing and what you're going to be seeing, what you're going to be seeing during this year's mock trial. Bob Clifford is with me in studio, as is Judge Anna Demacopoulos, uh, Christina Fakeless, Tinos Diamantatos, and Dr. Laura Calamus from the Hellenic Museum who put all of this together. So, Judge, tell us a little bit about what we can expect to see and what Hippocrat- the, the charges against Hippocrates. So we've all heard about the Hippocratic Oath, and uh, Dr. Hippocrates is going to be on trial for violating an ethical standard. So it's a civil case, and the Hippocratic Oath that he has charged, it's his own oath that he has created, and, and the oath is that he will help the sick, but never with a view to injure and wrongdoing. And so what we're going to be hearing or listening for are the facts and whether or not he violated his own oath. So I'm sure that Tinos mm-hmm. will have a perspective that he did, in fact, violate his oath. Tinos, you are prosecuting That's Hippocrates. Right. That's right. And, w- and what we're going to ask the, the jury to do, and we encourage people to come and participate in this process, is, is putting aside the name that we all know today. Hippocrates and how history has treated Hippocrates. We're going to go back in time and we're going to look at this issue and see the decisions that Hippocrates, as a medical professional, made. And as, as the good judge said, there's an oath. He's expected to follow it. It's a good oath. And here, this trial is going to raise some significant issues. For example, just because you're rich, just because you're king of Thebes, just because you, you promise certain riches to a doctor, whether it's Hippocrates or somebody fresh out of medical school, that shouldn't sway your professional judgment. And I think those are the issues that we're going to focus on. Uh, in this case, Hippocrates made a series of bad decisions, and, and because of that, he um, he's being brought to trial next week, and we're going to ask the jury to find him liable for his conduct. Okay, and Bob Clifford, you are defending Hippocrates. You know, every um, healthcare provider wakes up in the morning just like all of us. They put their pants on one leg at a time, and not a single one of them wakes up and says, you know, I'm going to go do harm today. They go to the uh, hospitals, they go to their offices and clinics intending to do good deeds and good things for people. And Hippocrates, the father of medicine, terms that we all embrace every day about whether something is chronic, whether something's anemic, whether it's an epidemic, these are the words that this man anchored. And the facts are very clear. You know, one of the things that uh, Tino's kind of conveniently forgets he has the Mm -hmm. burden of proof to show that dr hippocrates did wrong here Uh, and that's just not the evidence the evidence is clear that when hippocrates went to the king he told the king you have these problems they cannot be solved i can soothe you i can try to give you comfort i can try to make your life uh, easier and as christina was and that's one of the beauties of these trials as christina said early on there's really comparisons between what occurred back in you know what 370 bc yeah, ancient and, greece right? and, and what is occurring today with our elderly parents uh, there isn't a person within the sound of my voice who hasn't had an experience with a relative who they're at their dying days and how far will you go to try to save them give them comfort but you have to be intellectually honest with them as the good doctor was and said king i can help you out here i can soothe some of your pain but this stuff isn't going away well, Mr. Clifford's a skilled advocate. I'm still trying to wrap my head around um, the, the famous, world-famous trial lawyer that Bob Clifford is actually defending a doctor's conduct here in this case. But as Bob said, the facts are going to be critical next week. And what Hippocrates told the king of Thebes, how the king of Thebes responded to that, those facts, that interchange is going to be central to the issue that the jury is expected to return a verdict on next week. And I think that the prosecution and the plaintiffs here will most certainly meet their burden of proof because, frankly, Hippocrates fell down on this one. Uh, he accepted a series of riches from the king, which he should not have done. He didn't tell him the ins and outs of what was going on. He accepted things of value that he shouldn't have. And because of those bad decisions, he put the king in a worse off place than he was, and he violated his oath. And what is nice about uh, Dr. Angelos, the medical 
ethics expert that's going to speak. Who you're going to be who you're going to be interviewing? Correct. Yeah. So I'm going to be asking him questions on behalf of the prosecution and the defense to see, you know, his take on this story. Um, but you know, he's an expert in medical ethics today, um, and so that will be incorporated as well, um, which hopefully will give the audience maybe a little bit more guidance or a few more answers to their questions that they may have about this topic. Now, Judge, you're a, a fair woman obviously on the bench for many years how do you sit here and and listen to some of the arguments and not start to form an opinion before the actual trial begins how do you put all your preconceived notions and your predispositions all in the past and just wipe the slate clean and start fresh well that's what we're supposed to do as judges and and we've all given and taken our oaths that that's what we're going to do we're going to make our decision based on the facts that we hear and the evidence that we hear and follow the law that we are given. So what's kind of nice about this particular trial is that most people will only experience a courtroom when something has gone tragically wrong in their own lives. And they don't have to think about what has happened in their own lives until the tragedy happens and then they have to make these decisions. So what's kind of nice about the National Hellenic Museum trial series is that you can go watch this trial series in this particular case. It's a medical ethical issues. All of us have had to deal with these issues in our lives. You will get, the audience will get to participate and they will get to start to go through the thought process of what it actually entails to go through this what did Hippocrates have to go through mm -hmm. so what's nice about this they're not going to be in the tragedy they're going to watch yeah. the tragedy yes. but they can relate to the tragedy right. because yes one of the things here that I said it earlier on and just that the king the new king what he really is all about here he's, he's he lost his father and and all of the emotion that goes with that and he accused Hippocrates of being a thief but not a thief of the riches, as the prosecution would like to claim. They claim that he stole his last days. Well, those weren't ever Hippocrates to give what they were for Hippocrates to try to bring him comfort during those last days. And that's why these guys cannot sustain their burden of proof. Mm -hmm. And there goes Bob Clifford again. I was going to say, Tinos, <laughs> prosecution sure. always gets the uh, last word. Sure. So, I, so I, I will su respectfully suggest that there's an answer for that. I'm going to ask folks to buy a ticket and uh, uh, go next week, support the museum. And, and you know, to be frank, it is really, and, and I'm, I'm saying this aside from having the privilege of participating, myself excluded, you will really get to see some world-class lawyering, uh, the judges. It's a terrific trial series. As, as a proud Greek-American and also somebody who has the benefit of being an attorney here in Chicago, it's really... Uh, a terrific, terrific program that the museum puts on, and I think um, there'll be a great response to Mr. Clifford's point that he just raised. Stay tuned for next week Wednesday and come see what it is. I think it's, it's wonderful that that this is every. It's a yearly event, um, and I said to Judge Chiampas one year, I said every one or every student should be should have to go to bond court at least for just a few hours but i would change that i would say every student whether you're law political science history journalism english whatever it might be just spend a day in a courtroom and just watch the process or watch a trial because it's nothing like you see on tv and you can attest to this too and to to, to be in a room and i'm not just saying this to be in this room with you now and in a room with all of these big names and high-powered attorneys and judges in chicago that we see on tv or read about in the news to see you at work is really a joy and all working together e even in, in jest as and, it might and be. i think that that demonstrates a commitment that we all have to the process and to education right that's important it's very important most of us teach trial advocacy some you know some of us are you know adjunct professors we're, we're so committed to education that this is just another level that the museum offers as well that well, we're well it's it's that and more because i i'm always amazed by the lessons that are learned the, the takeaways from these trials that if you go back in time to what the greeks were doing and talking about back then and compare them to modern society the intellectual vitality of what that the Greek community and society was doing back so long ago 
is still very upfront and relevant today. It and is. that's one of the best takeaways from all of these exercises. Right. Well, and I'd have to add from the, the National Hellenic Museum's point of view, we've been doing trials as field trips for children for years. Mm-hmm. This is an extension for adults to enjoy. But middle schoolers can come any day of the week. Their teachers can, uh, can choose one of the trials as a field trip. Uh, maybe not Hippocrates, but we do put uh, Hercules uh, and his labors on trial in the field trip. And the children learn about civics, about law, about democracy, about voting voting, good citizenship, um, and they have a lot of fun doing it. They learn how to argue the case, uh, whether or not he should have killed the Nemean lion or not. So this is an extension of the kind of a, a, a field trips and tours and, and educational outreach that the National Hellenic Museum does every day. And we are going to tell you how to get tickets and what you have to do uh, to go about doing that and encourage everybody to next Wednesday, February 20th, to check out the Trial of Hippocrates from 6.30 until 9 at the Harris Theater for Music and Dance. It's at 205 East Randolph. We'll have much more coming up after this on 720 WGN. We are talking about the, the Trial of Hippocrates, sponsored by the National Hellenic Museum with Bob Clifford, Judge Anna Demacopoulos, Christina Fakeless, Tinos Diamantatos, and Dr. Laura Calamus from the Hellenic Museum, all participating in this wonderful trial. And I wanted to ask each of you, uh, before we go, we have about 10 more minutes uh, to wrap up and tell people how they can get tickets. But, Tinos, you've participated for three years, correct? How That's many? Right. How many? How many verdicts have you won? So, uh, my, the first time I was um, privileged to participate was the trial of the Parthenon Marbles. Things did not go well. We represented the British Museum. I worked with my former colleagues, Pat and Pat. And, uh, Collins and Fitzgerald. Collins yeah. and Fitzgerald. Yes. And the jury did not go in our favor, so that's 0-1. And, and then last <laughs> okay. year I got to be par- trial partners with Bob Clifford. We fought valiantly to uh, represent Megacles. Uh, the facts were a little bit stacked against us, mm-hmm. and unfortunately Megacles was indeed convicted, as he was in history. Okay. So 0-2. So we're going to turn things so around next week. Tur- yep, you're going to turn, turn it around. We're going to turn things around next Feel you, I feel as though you are. Bob, how Thank many? You. How, you've participated in five or six of these? I, I've done them all. You've and, done them uh, all, that's right. And, and what I is your. What's your no. Oh, you're. Oh, you. Oh, I, I object. I, that's I, inaccurate. I, I, no, I just have a mental block about losses. I just. Oh, I, I, I have, listen, show me a lawyer who claims that he's never never lost there a case, you go. and I'll show you a lawyer who doesn't try that. No, there you that, go. Okay. However, I think I'm batting a little north of 500 at the moment. Okay, so you're doing yeah. okay. And, Judge, do you remember how many, uh, how many guilties and not guilties? guilty verdicts you've rendered? I don't remember how many guilty or not guilty verdicts I've rendered, but I have participated in four out of the six. And last uh, year was the Mar- the Parthenon Marbles. No, last year was Megacles. Oh, last year was Megacles. The year I, before was Parthenon Marbles. Yeah. So last year, I think I did find him guilty. Uh, I did return the marbles to the museum. And I then did I too. did uh, convict Socrates the first year, which was... That did not sit well with your family, did it? No. And some of my <laughs> Yeah, uh, but we spared him the hemlock. I did. <laughs> Right. I did spare him. Christmas was very difficult at yeah. the judge's house that yeah. year. <laughs> and Christina, you've been in how many of these now? You were bailiff one year. Right. So I was fortunate enough, Judge Kokoris, I was his extern when all of this started with the museum six years ago. So I've been helping out um, since day one. I was a bailiff for a long time when I was in law school. And that's where I wanted to plug. If, you've, uh, if you're a parent and you think your child might be interested in the law, this is a great opportunity on a Wednesday night. Maybe it's a school night, but for them to come and see uh, some the, the greatest of Chicago uh, show their skills, and, and that might be something that will propel them into the, a legal career, which I, I highly recommend. Um, but ever since then, last year I put on the expert witness um, neutral party, so I can so say you're that neutral. Okay, I'm so neutral. you don't do you don't you truly don't vote, do you? I don't vote, and you don't um, try and stick a little chip in there. There's <laughs> the blue and the white chips. You don't try and no, but maybe vote? this year I will. And uh, and this year I'm also neutral, so I will be putting on uh, Dr. Angelos. Okay, very good. And I think what's important too, Andrea, is that the jurors vote here, right? So the yes. audience is going to be voting. Yes, the the juror, There's a panel of twelve, correct? And then we have the audience as well. So there's two right. separate two separate votes plus the judges vote. And do you know how many jurors there used to be in ancient Athens? I'm going to guess fourteen, five hundred. Really, there and were five hundred jurors. Why we had five hundred jurors in ancient Athens? Why? Because it was unlikely that somebody would be able to bribe 500 people. So in ancient Athens, there were 500 jurors. I did not know that. You know, that See, doesn't say a lot. No. I mean, that- <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? 
so they, there they were 500, 500 jurors, but we yeah. have we have 12 this year. I know Anna Devlantis was a juror one year. I was a juror one year, and yeah. we always have a, a wonderful panel of local uh, experts to be our jury. We do. Uh, we have uh, 12 jurors on stage, uh, Dean... Darby Dickerson, uh, John uh, John Marshall Law School will be there, uh, which is a reminder that student tickets are available, not just for law students, but for others. We'll have Dean Terry Weaver of the UIC College of Nursing coming as well, uh, and a number of others uh, to represent the field. Um, and of course, the entire audience gets to vote. We will, we will uh, allow every person to vote guilty or not guilty for Hippocrates, so you can be swayed um, by and they these really gentlemen get into on it. the, the audience Oh, yeah, I love being right. in the audience, And the, the, we'll put it right into a scale, and you'll see the scales tip. So uh, you'll be able to influence the, the, the voting for um, our Dr. Hippocrates. So does the, the moderator get to vote? I don't think I voted. Oh, no, Maybe I did vote year last year. Vote. I think we yeah, should vote. Yeah. yeah, don't you? I think I we do. should. At least we'll, we'll, we'll be one of the 500-plus <laughs> voting from the audience. And Laura, how can people get tickets? Uh, where can they go? And again, I highly encourage everybody to check this out. It's a lot of fun. You can get tickets from the National Hellenic Museum website, uh, or you can go to harristheaterchicago.org to buy tickets. Uh, this has been such a popular event. We've had to expand into larger and larger venues every year. Uh, so we're excited to be at the Harris Theater in Millennium Park this year, parking right on spot. Uh, so get your tickets now. It's It really will be a, a great event. But uh, the box office at Harris Theater is a great way to get yourself there. Well, excellent. Again, it's Wednesday, February 20th from 630 until 9 at the Harris Theater for Music and Dance. It's 205 East Randolph. Thank you so much for all Thank being you. here and Thank for all you. the prep Thank that you, you put into this. Any final thoughts? I'm asking Bob and Tinos. Maybe I should not. Hippocrates <laughs> is, is guilty, and we're confident the jury's going to find him and, that and, way next and week. And come and join the excitement and watch justice prevail <laughs> right. when Dr. Hippocrates walks out a free man. Very, thank you all again for being thank here. You. Thank you. More thank after you. this on 720 WGN. Coming up after the news, we will talk to Bella Gandhi, the fairy godmother of dating. Valentine's Day is just a couple of days away. She has some great tips for you, uh, whether you're married, single, or on the prowl. So that's coming up after 9. And after 9.30, we will talk to one of the heads of the Chicago Auto Show. The Auto Show is going on now. Don, have you been to the Auto Show yet? I have not yet, no. You have to go. They have this new souped-up car. It's supposed to be the fastest car. It's this Cobra S500 Whoa. is what it's called by Ford. It is super cool. We're going to talk to uh, to our friends from the auto show about that after 9.30. Anything with a snake name seems very dry. Right? I know. And there's a whole section of Corvettes. I don't know if that's your thing or not. Yeah. I always like the look of a good Corvette. These, the body on those is really, really nice. These vintage Corvettes are awesome. Ashley Byhan is producing for us tonight. Are you going to the auto show, Ashley? Ashley thumbs up, thumbs down? Oh. Oh, definitely. I'm going. You have to. It is so cool. I want to see you because you're tiny and petite and adorable. You can fit in this the smallest concept car I've ever seen. It's pink. And you know those uh, teeny tiny... Don, what are those real small cars? Not the Mini Coupes, but they're just... They have them in Europe a lot. The one-seaters. The smart cars? Yeah. Th- this is small. This is like a, a almost a big wheel. It's so oh, small. Exactly oh, man. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to fit in there. I couldn't get my left leg into it, but <laughs> it was fun. I know. Right? What I don't do for, for TV, right? <laughs> right? What I don't do for the team. It's responsible. So Bella's coming up uh, after the news. We'll find out if you guys celebrate Valentine's Day, what you're planning to do as well. Maybe give us some prizes away as well. But right now, it's time for the news. Here are the sounds that matter. The top five at five from the Rocon Show with Anna Devlantis. Weekday afternoons on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users just say play WGN Radio. News is sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems, and here's Don. L is for the way you look at me. O is for the only one I see. V is very, very extraordinary. E is even more than anyone that you adore can love. 9, 10, 7, 20, WGN. 
Thank you, Ashley. That's Ashley. Ashley Byhan is our executive producer tonight on the program. Of course, we're playing it L-O-V-E Love because the fairy godmother of dating, my good friend Bella Gandhi, is in studio. Like that title? I love Who it. Who gave you that title? Didn't Chicago Magazine give you that title? It was a writer at the Huffington Post. Huff and Post. it just stuck. It went and went a little viral. You are the fairy godmother of dating, the founder and president of Smart Dating Academy, and you hosted a show last week with John Duffy, which you sounded fantastic. Oh, it was super fun. I'm I'm happy to be here with my favorite person, Andrea Darling. Oh, I love you, Belle. So Valentine's Day is coming up. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day? Um, kind of. I'm usually working some sort of thing. An event. Now or... that I have a dating business. So yeah. yeah, it's not usually a night off. So we might do the 15th. I'll be landing from New York. But I did say I'd like to have Mexican food on Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. Yes. Be Ho- specific about what you want. Homemade or is this you go to a restaurant? Homemade. Oh, good for you. With grapefruit margaritas. Fantastic. And your husband, Andy, is a wonderful guy. Does he make this for you or do you cook? It'll actually be our sitter who's going to cook. Okay. Who's a great cook. <laughs> Shout out to Deb. <laughs> That's awesome. I just specify the menu. I seem, I find, I, at least just from, obs- uh, just from observing, I think more people celebrate Valentine's Day now. And I am not one of the, I love Valentine's Day. I think it's great. I celebrate it. I think it's awesome. And people who are like, oh, it's a Hallmark holiday. It's just an excuse. I, I love it. Do you love Valentine's Day? I love Valentine's Day. I think it just celebrates love and it doesn't have to be romantic love. It can be any kind of love. And I mean, look, kids give each other cards. They give their teachers cards. You know, here's a statistic. The National Retail Federation said that Americans spend between 18 and 19 billion dollars for Valentine's Day. We've spent an average of about 150 bucks per person in this country. Only second to Christmas is Valentine's Day from a spend. Really? Yes. See, so get Am out I there. stressing y'all out? No, I think <laughs> I, okay, this is just my thought and, and you may agree or disagree, Bella, but I think if you have a special someone in your life, just something little, it doesn't have to be, you know, Tiffany, although it would be nice if it is. Who doesn't it, love the blue box? I love the blue box. We all I love do. The, the little box. white bow. I mean, who doesn't love, love that? But what do you think of, of someone who says, well, I leave a note or, you know, a little card. What are your thoughts on the, the, the little things? I love that. I am a words of affirmation person. So I know I just waxed on about Mexican food. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I would love, I love thoughtful letters, thoughtful notes, thoughtful cards. For me, that's the holy grail. Better than, you know, just something that I don't really want. But if you're thinking about what should I get for, let's say it's your romantic partner, your husband, your wife, whomever, think about that person and think about what they would like and show them that you really know them and give them something thoughtful. There you go. It's all about the thought. It's about the thought. What do you think of someone who just started dating, say maybe a month? If you're going out on Valentine's Day, you had best acknowledge it. Don't blow it off. It will only get you points to do something small. Do not break the bank. I'm talking like 20, 25 bucks max, okay? Like a book, right? Like, right. yeah, something that you guys have talked about, you know, maybe a PS4 video game. Can you tell them the mother of an 11 year old? Something, but something small that the person has mentioned that you think they would like just to acknowledge it and be thoughtful. How about for a couple who's been married, say 25, 30 years? Yeah, get it going. You better do something. Get that Tiffany box. Okay. So yeah. So the longer <laughs> you've been together, it yeah. should be a little more, a little more expensive. Well, yeah. I mean, you again, you should really, really know this person by now. So, you know, if she likes jewelry, by all means, give her something that she'll like. Because for a lot of people, jewelry equals sentimentality. Right. It's not so much I need the big whopping diamond, but even a pair of earrings that I could say, for example, oh my gosh, Andrea gave these to me. I love them. And I'll always think of you with that. So think about the person. You know, you gave me for one of my big birthdays, we'll call it, we'll call it 30. You gave me the, the most beautiful bracelet and it was silver with a little black onyx type sewn on the top. Every time I wear that, I think of you. Wow. And I do. And I, and if I'm going to a speaking event or something, I wear it just not, I was just going to say not for luck that you need luck at a speaking event, but just, you know, to give you a little positiveness and a little confidence. So, a little zhuzh. Yeah. So I always think of you every time I wear that. Yeah. So hey, thank you, Bella. You like something, you know, just something thoughtful, right? It's, look, she always thinks of me. Three points. See, there you Love go. It. Is there a scale? 
Three points, four points, five points? Three points, like a layup, right? Okay, good. So that's Not the big layup. one. You, can you tell we've been talking basketball and I'm fairly ignorant about it? You know, you we our friend Pete McMurray, who I just love and adore, and you love Pete. Pete I loves love you. Pete. Pete and I were uh, working together last Friday night and we were talking about this and he said that he is the gift giver. And In fact, we were texting today, so I know what he, he's getting his wife something. So Ooh. if Mrs. McMurray is listening, he's getting you something. Um, but he said that he that his wife does not and people were calling in and a lot of the guys were saying yeah you know i buy for my wife but my wife doesn't buy for me i think it should be you know whether it's your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or girlfriend girlfriend boyfriend boyfriend exactly i think everybody involved should participate don't you yes reciprocate right your partners at the end of the day whatever your relationship is so do something nice for each other and if you buy something for the person and they don't buy anything for you because maybe you're listening to the show going okay i'm gonna really take this advice and go out and do it don't be upset if you don't get something back because maybe they didn't hear our our chat tonight and remember give for the sake of giving Bella, you're getting a text already from the 312. Someone saying they're going on their first date on, on Valentine's Day. I love you, I like, whoever you are, isn't from that cool? 312. Right. That's awesome. 312. No, I won't give their number. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool, too, right? That's good. That's good. It's so cool. Why not, right? It's just a day at the end of the day, right? You can, you know, I don't think you probably need to buy a gift, you know, but maybe you can say, let's just commemorate this by, you know, getting a heart-shaped pizza or something oh, like I that. Oh, I love the heart-shaped pizzas. I love heart-shaped pizzas. I, a lot of pizza places have them. Yeah. Or you can go to Costco or any store and buy a pizza and I cut it into the shape of the pizza every year when I'm home. And that's it. I'm, I'm going to do that. I Easy. think that's a great idea. Totally. And then you can save the other parts and just make them into breadsticks. Oh, done it all. See, you got it Don't all. Don't waste the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you are the best. We're talking to Bella Gandhi from Smart Dating Academy, president and founder. Bella, for those who don't know your backstory, you have always been someone just kind of like a matchmaker. I mean, I've known you since college. You were always kind of the one who would say, you know, he'd get along with her, she'd get along with him or whoever it might be. And you've always just kind of done this. So this has kind of been your destiny to do something like this. I'm really, I feel really grateful and lucky every day to have turned my passion and what I think, I think we all have gifts, right? That we're like something that we're just good at naturally. And this is mine. And I've been doing it. I started the company almost 10 years ago, believe it or not. And what we do is I took the matchmaking part, but then now enter the internet, right? And there's so many ways to actually find matches that what we actually do is help people to navigate all of these potentially confusing options. Like how do you use dating apps? Which one? How do you do it? Is this a good person? Is this not a good person for you? How do you meet people in real life? How do you get set up? So we take all of those confusing options that sometimes paralyze people and pare it down to something really simple so that you start to feel good, you feel safe, and you have fun. I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. And I love your success stories, too. You've been to how many? Do you know how many weddings you've been to? I, you know, dozens. Yeah. And my husband's put the kibosh a little bit on all the weddings that I wanted to fly to. You know, oh, no. this summer we're already invited to a wedding in Napa. And so he's uh, like, okay, uh, maybe some of the local ones we can go to, but sure. I love going to the weddings. There's nothing better than watching two people that love each other like commit to that. Do you know early on with some of your clients when they meet that you're like, oh, they, they are going to get married? Do you, can you tell early on still? You know, between three and six months, I can't tell right away because you never know. Sometimes you get the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? And people put their best foot forward, but underneath it, then the mask starts to come off and then you see the cracks in the armor. But between three and six months after people are exclusive and they're dating and they tell me, you know, the one word that I hear from people that tells me this relationship is going, it's going north. Do you know what that word is? I do. You told me. I did. It's easy. 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 Easy is the most important thing and the most important kind of piece of data that I found from all of my clients, thousands of them over the last 10 years. When a relationship is easy, I'm like, okay, that's it. Now think about if you're sitting there and maybe you're driving or you're just kind of at home listening, think about, close your eyes and think about easy. Easy doesn't mean no conflict. Easy means we have conflict, but we can resolve it easily. Nobody's throwing spatulas at each other. We can sit down. We can each process in our own way and come back to it, resolve it, talk about it like adults, and bring the relationship 
to a better level post-conflict. Right. It's natural. And and truly, you are marrying your best friend, your other half. You yeah. have to have, and you said this many times too, Bella, you have to have things in common. This, this whole opposite to track thing that doesn't really fly, especially as you get older. No, it can create a lot of chemistry in the beginning. So there's a lot of attraction. You're exactly right. And it can be great, but give it three to four months. And that chemistry just, it melts down into friction. Because ultimately, if you've got two hyper alpha, high voltage, controlling people, it's amazing for the first three to four months. You're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then after a while, you can't have two people grabbing the steering wheel all the time right right absolutely and it doesn't mean that one person's always going to be the driver and the other one's always going to be the passenger but it's two people that can trade off and be comfortable in both roles absolutely we're talking to bella gandhi the president and founder of smart dating academy it's 9 19 we'll take a quick break and come back and have a couple of suggestions of what you can do for valentine's day more after this on 720 wgn Nine twenty three seven twenty WGN. Just ahead of the news, we are talking with Bella Gandhi from the president and founder of Smart Dating Academy about Valentine's Day. And Bella, have something set up right for Valentine's Day. Let's give uh, uh, some little advice to people what they could do for Valentine's Day, either if they have something planned or maybe they're just thinking about it now. Last minute, Lucy's. You know what? Plan something fun. There, there's a lot of research that shows if you're part of a couple, plan something new, do something new, a little adventurous, because that can kind of re-spark that attraction. Don't go to the same place that you go every week and get kind of lazy sloppy, even though it's comfortable and there's nothing wrong with the neighborhood gem that's 10 steps from your house. We're all like that. I know <laughs> I'm, we're so guilty of it in our own house. Right. But plan something new. And it just, it feels good it feels a little exciting maybe plan a dance lesson go to groupon find something like there's tons of things that you could do just to make it a little bit special zhuzh it up a little bit that's fun idea these are really really fun ideas how do you keep it fresh after say 20 years 25 years you just know that fresh changes ultimately it's never going to be like it was in the first month or two or three because sometimes you trade a lot of those crazy in love exciting feelings for that amazing feeling of safety and comfort so love changes but you can always keep it exciting how much fun are you having you're on steve harvey you're on the today show i see you on good morning america jetting all over the country how much fun are you having I love it. It's so fun. I I love being able to think about different ways to help people and constantly challenging kind of, oh my gosh, how are we going to think about that? In fact, I'm flying out tomorrow to New York, weather impending to do two days on Good Morning America oh, on Wednesday, Thursday. So if you're watching, so tune, tune in. in. Tune in to ABC between 8 and 9 a.m. And if I'm not there, it's because the ice storms uh, in Chicago or New York <laughs> are... <laughs> I've already had one flight cancellation. Oh, so, no. But we're talking about what are your topics? Yeah people up like if you've got a single friend Uh how do you set up that single friend so that's the topic so it's actually a really fun two-day segment one of the producers that I work with one of her best friends is single and she's 27 and adorable and fun and smart great job and they can't figure out why she's not meeting the right people so we've picked five different guys for her to go on a speed date with and the speed dates are going to be 15 minutes and then her three best friends and me i'm going to give them advice on what to look for and then we're all going to vote on who she should actually go out on a date with on valentine's day that is so cool so do you get do you pick the people um yes we're all we've picked the five people okay and did you have to look at their backgrounds did you try and see if they're compatible we tried as much as you can in 48 hours of trying to produce this and find someone but these are five cute guys that are all like she's 27 so they're 27 to 33 years old they all live right in the vicinity, right in New York City or around. So, yeah, you know, they're diverse. It's it's amazing. They all have great jobs. They're super cute. I'm like, cute, cute, awesome. Oh, my gosh, love this. So, yeah, it's That's going to be so cool. It'll be fun. I hope she finds her match, and that'll be on, uh, val- she'll go on the date on Valentine's Day. She'll go out on the date on Valentine's Day. So, if you're listening, say a prayer to the universe that I can make it there. there oh, <laughs> you, will, you will absolutely be there. We'll be watching for you. I have to ask you, what is, where is the craziest person someone has met someone? 
Oh, that's a good question. And I didn't mean to throw, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just curious. Or I know you have so, you have so many fun, great stories, so many great success stories. But of course, not, you know, not everything, not every date is a hit. That's how obviously we meet people and we meet the one. So you have some very funny stories about, you know, couples that didn't quite work out and for various reasons for various reasons for various I've, had, reasons. I've had people um meet and they're now living together and they met on the red line so don't ignore the l there you go that's interesting <laughs> the, l, the how red cool line. is that the red line right? so the red so the l could be there's love on the red line have you seen there's a facebook page called the people of the cta no oh it's hilarious it's the it's so like misconnections? It is, yeah. It's misconnections and then people who have been like, hey, someone left a, a phone number. I guess someone put their phone number on a piece of paper and then someone found it. It's just interesting stories. But then you also get, you know, um, people doing things that they maybe shouldn't be doing <laughs> on the L as well. I'm surprised Facebook hasn't shut the page down. But so that's interesting. On the L. On the L. Oh, yeah. I've had um, somebody, wa- a client, had a contractor walk in and... You know, and he was there to rebuild parts of her house, and they're now married. So there's crazy stories. How like you, cool. You never know. A, a, you know, a client of mine was a Jewish female doctor in New York City, and her sister sent an email out to 25 of her closest friends saying, who can produce a good Jewish guy for me, for my little sister? She got one response to that email, and my client, Hallie, married the guy that the person responded with. No. Yes. What's the what's the fastest? What's the fastest turnaround from somebody meeting somebody to knowing they're the one and then getting married or maybe saying, hey, we're in this committed relationship. My client, Jill, met a guy um, at a Super Bowl party and they, you know, she said he's absolutely not my type, but he's everything that you taught me I should be looking for in a good partner. I think this is going to work. So they had the conversation about two months in, they became exclusive. And he said to her, listen, I know she was 39 years old. And she says, I do want to get married and I want to have a family. He said, don't bring it up again. If we are going strong at six months, you will have a ring. Guess what happened? Six months from the day that they became exclusive, she got her ring. No. I got a text at 11.30 at night, and you would have thought I got engaged. (laughs) I'm so excited. That is so cool. Bella, where can people find you? I know GMA on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Yes on Good Morning America okay, and good. Um, Smart Dating Academy. Follow us on Instagram. We're doing a lot on Insta tips, tricks, motivation, inspiration, or check out our website. There's a lot of good free information up there. We've got a book called The Four Commandments of Online Dating. It's free to download. So lots of good stuff that can really give you that motivation and inspiration to say, you know what? This is the year that I could get out there and find the other half. Absolutely. And just to have you in someone's life is a, is a blessing. So thank you. I love seeing you, Bill. Ditto. I will see you later in the week and we'll see you on GMA and check out WGNRadio.com and listen to Bella's podcast with Dr. John Duff. You guys killed it. So congratulations. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you and everybody. More after this on 720 WGN. Thank you, Don. It's 720 WGN. If you haven't been to the Chicago Auto Show yet, it just opened a couple of days ago. You absolutely have to get there. I was there on Saturday for the weekend break, and we had so much fun. We saw some concept cars. Uh, got to take a few test drives on that uh, in the Land Rover on the track. So we wanted to have Mark Bilek, who's the Senior Communications Director for the Auto Show, pop on with us and tell us a little bit about what we can expect to see this year. Hi, Mark. Hey, good uh, good evening. We're just wrapping up the third day of the show here, so still got a lot of days left. There were so many cool things I saw. I wanted. I know I just touched on a couple of different uh, things that I saw, but I love this section with the old police cars, Mark. That was really kind of a, a neat twist this year. Yeah, you know, we try to blend a little bit old in there with the new, uh, and that, you know, keeps people, fosters that love affair for the car, and, that, you know, people can reminisce about what they used to drive, but then they can go and look at what they can drive. Concept cars are really big, too. There's a very small Toyota pink car that I think I got my left foot in. Those, <laughs> is that just for show, or is that really going to be drivable? You, you know what? Toyota's brought that car a couple times now. It's it's really a concept personal transportation. Uh, you know, it's basically designed for one person to get around in the city. It's not, 
it's not anything that they're going to build anytime soon, but it's just uh, Toyota's thinking about what they might do, and that's what concept cars are all about. Or they're thinking, they're trialing ideas. Uh, and we've got a couple of cool concept cars this year. I mean, we've got this really cool Infinity. It looks like a race car. Uh, it, it's, it's neat. It's called the Prototype 10. And then we've also got uh, a couple of other Jeep concept cars and uh, some Kia Telluride cars from SEMA. There are some really interesting, you know, dream only. In fact, there's a Nissan Kicks that's outfitted with speakers and a DJ booth in the back, and, and they're oh, yeah. using it to actually perform uh, in their booth. So there's a DJ that's on that thing going all the time, and we can hear it all the way up here in the media center sometimes. Mark, talk about some of the, uh, it's so interactive, which I, I love. I was talking about the Land Rover, which I was, he, you just kept going up, 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 and he said it's the <laughs> best view from the auto show. But there's so many different tracks on there, um, Ford, Mazda, Subaru, they all have um, outdoor test driving opportunities, too. Right, so we've got four indoor tracks, and for anyone who hasn't been to the Chicago Auto Show, these are full-on driving opportunities where you get in the car with a with a professional driver, and they'll drive you. There's the Jeep track, which is celebrating its 15th year, the uh, Ram Truck Territory, the Kia Chork track, and then this new Land Rover track that you're talking about. You can actually, you get in line, you get in the car, you go for a ride, and in Chicago, we don't have a whole lot of hills, so this is something that people may have never experienced in their life is kind of off-road driving. And then we have six outdoor ride and drives. We've got Ford, Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Volvo, and then an electric car drive. And in those cases, you actually get behind the wheel and drive the vehicle. Oh, that's so much fun. And this year, uh, you can vote for best in show on some of the kiosks that are on the show floor. Right. So something that we've done in Chicago for more than a decade is let the people that come to our show pick their favorite vehicles, and then we award the manufacturers based on those categories, best all-new production car, best concept car, best green car, favorite exhibit, and then also the car that I'd most like to have in our driveway. And right now, the Bugatti Chiron uh, Chiron is winning. Uh, That's a $3.5 million car that goes more than 260 miles an hour. Wow, Mark. Mark, what car would you pick? What not not for best in show? Because I know you have to be neutral. But the, if if they could give you the keys to any car right now, which what would you drive well, off the floor? You know floor? what? I think I'd be a little bit more sensible. My favorite <laughs> car here on the show floor is the Volkswagen Jetta GLI. That was the first car I had growing up, and oh, they cool. introduced the new one here just four days ago at the Chicago Auto Show. I love the Corvette section too. I thought I think I saw like a nineteen sixty four Corvette Stingray yellow that was really cool yeah you know we've got different clubs here we mentioned that a little bit at the beginning windy yeah. city corvettes is here and so these people you know they, they take their cars and they drive them all summer and then they park them in the winter in the garage they store them but we give a few clubs each year the opportunity to come to the show and to show off their cars to the attendees of the auto show well it's wonderful how can people it runs through the 18th but you can get some online information and there are there are apps now you can download too and get discounted tickets right so if you download our app uh, either on the uh, android or ios you get a three dollar discount off an adult ticket but people can find out all sorts of information about the show from that app as well but then they can also go to chicagoautoshow.com get out and see it mark thank you so much all right, thank you. That is the great Mark Bilek, the Senior Director of Communications for the Chicago Auto Show, going on at McCormick Place right now. Get on out and check it out. Test drive some of those cars. It's really, really cool. We'll have more after this on 720 WGN, and I promised you, you're going to learn about all childish things next on 720. 720 WGN, 948 on the program. I'm Andrea Darlis. Patty Vasquez is coming up at 10 o'clock, and I promised you, I've said several times tonight, we're going to tell you all about All Childish Things. It's the uh, first Folio Theater's production of this hilarious contemporary comedy heist running from January 23rd through February 24th, so just about two more weeks. It's All Childish Things, and we have two of the stars of this play, Alberto Mendoza and Bobby Richards in studio. Hey, guys. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for being here and hanging out with us. Thanks for calling us stars. Oh, you you guys are stars. (laughs) You're Chicago area stars. I love it. you got to get used to it. I know, right? you got your paparazzi. You got people traveling with you now, your handlers. It's true. Tell us about the play. Well, I'll take that one. Uh, So, yeah, so the show is, like you said, it's a comedy heist. It's a lot of fun. Um, It's about a group of uh, best friends 
from high school. Some years have passed. They might be in their mid-30s. One of them might live in their mother's basement, and that's probably where the play takes place. And uh, they're deciding that they want to turn the li- their lives around, so they decide they're going to rob the Kenner Toy Factory, where all of the original Star Wars toys are, and uh, sell them to a anonymous buyer for $2 million. Are they selling the packaging? Everything. Oh, yeah. These okay. are like mint condition okay. things, you know... Collect, collectors go crazy for this is what caught my eye I was the bit and this is I think why this play or the, why the, why this I don't want to say it's a musical why this why this play kind of spans generations because I had Star Wars toys as kids and I'm sure you guys oh, did I was too upset. But I still I play, have Star Wars but toys. I played with them I, did, I took them out of the box and you I fool. had <laughs> oh do you want to laugh <laughs> guess whose mom sold her Millennium Falcon in a garage sale it was the Seriously? big kind. Yeah, she oh, did. Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, For like look, two bucks. And you look at all that stuff on eBay now, and it's just like, you're like, oh, my retirement. Yeah, you right? know, like, and gone. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like when I, yeah, when I was a kid, it was the second, or like when we were kids, it was like the second wave was coming through. Yeah. yeah. The prequels were coming out, so they were re-releasing original figures. I would buy ones to open and play with and then I would buy one to keep in a box did you really was, so you I was knew that crazy do you still have I have some of them but it's like them? but I I don't know what the value but is but probably some of the little guns uh, yeah. are missing yeah. or but know. I got a kid now so I, he's almost at the age where I could he could probably play with them so I'm I'm debating on that back and forth of like do I let you trash my childhood <laughs> one for you <laughs> yeah. one for daddy exactly one for you one for daddy <laughs> oh that's so cool yeah. though but, yeah. but I think this is something everyone can relate to Oh yeah, boys, girls, men, women. You know, this is something fun. Everyone loves toys, and especially Star Wars toys. Oh yeah. Talk a little bit about First Folio. I mean, then I know you guys. You're in your 23rd season. Um, one of Chicago's greatest. I want to say, you know, off Broadway or smaller theater companies. Um, but have you guys worked together before? We haven't had the chance to work together. We before. haven't. Yeah, we haven't played oh, cool. together. But we, but we have found out over the process that we have so many mutual friends. Yeah, isn't it that wild? It's all Small like, community. yeah, totally comes together. And it's the same with all of us in the show. But like with First Folio, you're totally right. It's like it's an equity theater. Right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, it's it's one of the mainstays out in the Western Burbs, and uh, people from like I was saying, like from the Burbs and from the city, sure, go out there for their summer shakespeare festival yeah um for their you know for their multiple seasons where they're doing classics they're doing contemporary shows and this kind of show is it's not quite outside what they usually do but it is kind of fun that it's it's this sort of like this contemporary comedy yep. about star wars you know yeah. star wars nerds. silliness yeah yes. super goofy love. super fun yep. and like you were saying too it's like you don't have to know star wars to love the show right. right it's anything if you obsess about something you're totally going to relate to it you met you touched on something i think is really true that the chicago theater community is very close like why mm-hmm. while you guys haven't worked together now but you know a lot of people who do yeah. do you have you experienced that too kind of going through your careers as actors that our community is very tight-knit Absolutely. Uh, you know, at, with every show that I do, I tend to find, like, from the cast, just more and more people where I'm kicking myself that I hadn't met them right. sooner. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, you know, we just pick things up just right away, and it, it, that kind of camaraderie it, it is great to see how it just kind of extends to just people that, you know, you didn't know before, but uh, you, you definitely will want to work with them, you know, soon again, and uh, I, I love it for that. We're talking to Alberto Mendoza and Bobby Richards, two of the stars of All Childish Things at the First Folio Theater. Runs through February 24th. Are you guys both from Chicago? Not originally. I Where grew up just outside Orlando. Okay. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that Wait, weird. Let me look outside. Yeah. yeah no, right? no, that weird two. migration. I tell <laughs> that every day. I'm like, uh, so do you check the temp back in Orlando? <laughs> yeah. How about you, Bobby? Uh, I'm just from uh, outside Indianapolis. So okay. not, yeah, not Midwestern. that far. I'm used to this. Midwestern, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, this, was it a bit of a shock, uh, your first Chicago winter? Oh, yeah. I, I call family just, you know, so they can describe the sun to me. Of course. Like, <laughs> remind me what that was like. like right? that. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that when someone goes, I went to Cabo last week and I had planned this trip like, you know, two months ago and I didn't know it was going to be during the polar vortex and I thought, I am not going to take my life into my hands and post anything that I'm yeah. anywhere other than <laughs> You're going to lose a lot of friends. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. But you know what? Don't, do you find too, kind of going back to the, you know, the strong camaraderie here, do you find that people will go to the theater if it's pouring rain or, or an ice storm or if it's sunny? 
Here's the thing that was crazy. So on Sunday when we just got that random like whiteout for oh, yeah. you know however yep. long like an hour thirty minutes something like that, I was set that I totally thought oh man, this is gonna totally you know people aren't gonna come to to the show because yeah, there's the gonna be gonna more be... people in the cast and than in the I audience as we thought sold out sold it was crazy. out that show like that's, that's it, awesome. and so it was such a fun crowd and that's the great thing is that you know the cold hasn't detracted from people coming out you know the weather but i also think too that chicago you know it's like oh, oh yeah. yeah oh it's negative 30 i'm going out mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah when I, I used to live in the south suburbs when i first moved to wrigleyville lincoln park area mm-hmm. it was just a giant blizzard everybody's in the middle of the streets the, the plows hadn't even come down because it was a side street and everyone's just throwing snowballs and whatnot in the front so yeah i mean we enjoy it you're one of us now so we have to i am down. i okay. am i go back uh you know to Orlando for the holidays, and everybody's got their winter coats on for a forty degree weather, right. and I've got you know just my hoodie and shorts on. It's great. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not. That's like when I go out to L.A. and it's like you know sixty two, and everyone's bundled up, and I'm like, you're insane. Yep. You're oh, crazy. I know. Seriously, yeah. Same thing. We had a sports reporter who moved to San Diego, and he said the same thing. Only his their temperature gauge was when it got to be fifty. Oh, said okay. it's, it's, that's it's, when they shut down. It's freezing. They shut down the city. <laughs> exactly right. It's Alberto Mendoza and Bobby Richards from uh, the First Folio Theaters. All childish things. If when people come to see this, what do you want them to take away? What do you want them to go home feeling? Oh gosh, uh, hopefully pains in their stomach from laughing so hard. Good. That's what I'm hoping. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, uh, like just sort of at least people have told me too when they leave that sort of an understanding of like, oh, you know, like. Stuff might hit the fan, but yeah. you know, but it it that kind of stuff will sort of build friendships up and 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 make people, you know, sort of uh, their relationship stronger. So that's something yeah. too. A little through, bit of inspiration. A little bit of inspiration. Oh, yeah. In the in the byline, it says, "Will divided loyalties and greed lead their friendship to implode like the Death Star, or will the Force be with them?" So kind of art imitating life a little bit. I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's right. Bit. Modern day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So but, go see it and take some life lessons from this. Lots of life lessons will be learned at All Childish Things. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite Star Wars toy that you guys have or still have? Oh, I would say mine was just the case that I had all of the little figurines in. It was the C-3PO. Oh, I had C-3PO too. And is. I had the Darth Vader one too. Yeah. <laughs> you laugh. I'm going to send you a picture. Oh. I, had a, I had a Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Um, did your that, mom sell yours? No, but I did. <gasps> I did. I did. I sold it. How dare you? When I was oh. like, just when I felt like I, when I was just a few years after I got it going like, oh no, I'm too cool. <laughs> and then like I sold it and I go, I'm not too cool. Why did I sell it? You better apologize to your son. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah. I know. I'm going to have to buy it again when he totally gets into this. But like, yeah, I think my favorite toy was, uh, uh, there's a character named Boba Fett and it was just a little <gasps> Boba, Boba Fett, Fett figure. Fett. He's yeah. blue. Love he him. Is, yeah, he's yeah, got that multicolored mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is he your favorite character? I don't know if he's my favorite character, but because he's not really in the movies that much. No, he's yeah, not. but but I don't. But there's like this mystery about that character. Yep. He factors into the show. He really does. It's it's also. I mean, yeah, it's full circle. My love for mm-hmm. him and, and the love for all of our characters uh, for him in the show. Well, you guys are so much fun. Where can people find out about uh, the play and get tickets? They can go to firstfolio.org and uh just navigate the site i think i mean they've got it designed so it's like boom right when you right when you get on firstfolio.org you can get tickets yep. right and of course you can call in information but yeah. go ahead to firstfolio.org yeah. you can find the phone number there yeah. in case you want to call and support our local theater it's Absolutely. awesome first folio theater alberto mendoza and bobby richards and all childish things runs through february 24th thanks you guys Thank thanks you. for having us this is great patty's up next 720 wgn